Mejor Sola is made by and for women of color and femme-identifying folks who want to join the self-love revolution and need the affirmation of two mujeres who are also on their way. Okay, we are recording. Wonderful. Okay, so we get ready. Desi, you ready for this? You ready? I'm ready. Girl, I've been ready. <laughs> Welcome back, amores. This is season two, episode one of Mejor Sola, and we are so excited to be back with y'all. Hey, Em. Hi, Des. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us and being so patient as we get this content out to you. I'm so excited to be here. Um, it's, been a, it's been a long few months. Mm-hmm, to say the least. <laughs> Just want to remind you that it is still the year 2020. Yes, it is. It is. And at the time of this recording, um, it is about to be Halloween. Oy. In some places of the world, they call this mischief night, actually. Mm, so, I didn't know that. So wh- whenever you're listening to this, you know, get into a little mischief yourself. Okay. <laughs> okay. We are pre-election. Yes. Pre-presidential election. Preface that, folks. Pre-election. Right. So I've already voted. Woo woo. If you <laughs> haven't seen M's post on her Instagram page, I highly suggest you go and check out that cute little video. Okay. Thank you. You know, I, something that just keeps something that I experienced pre pandemic. Oh, also, if you're listening to this some odd time in the future, we are in a time of, of uh, dual pandemics. We have a biological pandemic with COVID-19 mm-hmm. running rampant across our country. And we have a pandemic of, you know, violent racism and aggression towards marginalized folks, particularly black men and women, mm-hmm. um, black trans men and women. Um, so essentially, depending on which state you are in, in the United States, some of us are staying home Um, are mandated to wear masks, things like that. Um, All that to say, before this lockdown time, something that I would constantly do, and if you all have listened to season one, you know this about me, is just let things, um, let task lists get really long. Mm -hmm. And they're really simple tasks that would take little to no time to Mm -hmm. accomplish. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So when I finally accomplish said task there's just like this huge relief off of me so we made essentially my roommate and I made that dancing video around our ballot box because I'd had my mail-in ballot for about three weeks and I'd been out here telling people to vote like getting people's voting plans talking it through with them and I still hadn't done it myself and it just felt like such a weight off my shoulders to just like drop it in you know yeah that's awesome. I'm glad you got to do that, boo. I um, will be surrendering my mail-in ballot and voting in person um, because I don't remember what my signature looks like. And I'm not trying to out here and not have my vote counted because I didn't sign the paper correctly. So we're not doing that this year. We're not taking that risk this year, nor did I take it in 2016. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah so. I had to pull out my ID and like look at my signature just very carefully. I wanted to know, like, what is this supposed, what was I signing like uh, when I was 16 and had to sign this the first time? Yeah, no, mine, mm-mm, no. So um, I know that like Latinx voters are actually projected to be a higher part of the population, a greater part of the population than the Black vote for the first time ever in history. But um, wow. his, I didn't realize that. Yeah. And Latinx slash Hispanic, um, the census wants to call us that, um, voters are actually the least motivated to. Oh, right. So on, <laughs> La, uh, Chicana to Chicana, go vote. <laughs> okay. Go vote. <laughs> Des, how are you doing? How am I finding you in this space right now? Today? I am 
good. It is fall in Southern California, which means that when I wake up in the morning, it's 50 degrees outside. And then by like 12, it's, oh, I don't know, 80. Um, but your girl like comes into a different version of herself as soon as my phone is like, don't forget, we're turning our clocks back. I'm like, it's fall time to accessorize time to layer I love the fall like it's I don't understand why it maybe it's the colors whatever it is catch a girl from late October all the way through the fake winter that we have in California um in some of the cutest things you will see me wear all year long the Ooh, booties and the I was jeans. gonna say what kind of booties are you into um, I just ordered these really cute gray colored booties with like a snake print, fake snake print. Because we ain't about that here. Me. Okay, on the back, <laughs> I don't do animal print. I was gonna say that I doesn't sound these, like you. I know. I'm telling you, the fall <laughs> brings out all sorts of things in your girl. When I saw them, I was like, I have to have these. They're so cute. They're so cute. Um, yeah. So today I'm, I'm good. I've, I had a really great morning. I checked in with some of my loveliest, dearest people close to my heart, um, that still work in city year. So that's another update in case y'all didn't join us for the live. I don't work for city year anymore. Um, <laughs> so I spent a lot of time like this week checking in with my city year family, which felt really good. Yeah. What about you, boo? That's beautiful. I, I mean, I'm not ready to move on to me because I do want to talk oh. about this whole like change of season of Des. Oh, like okay. the seasons change <laughs> and then you change. And mm -hmm. I know like, I can't believe I'm going to be the one to bring up this Dodgers win right now. Oh, well, girl, you asked me about today. Like, <laughs> look at the, if, if you do not know by now that the Dodgers have won the 2020 World Series, you literally have been living under a rock or in another country. Look at y'all. It took my boys 32 years to bring this back home. I was two years old the last time they won the World Series. Some of y'all listening weren't even alive. Okay. Um, uh -oh. <laughs> and I have a lot of really fond memories about dodger games in my home like on my tv live with my grandpa vin scully was like the soundtrack to my summer and my fall at home um and yes i am well aware of the problematic ways that we came to acquire dodger stadium don't get it twisted y'all um but i think this is something that could just go so much deeper for me than the game right like i love watching baseball it's the only sport you going to catch your girl watching like all season um i've got the gear we ordered it the second they called that last strike i was like you better log on and get me my world series sweater um but it's it's such a massive representation of what my grandpa really strove for when he came to this country for us. Um, he wanted comfort. He wanted the ability to spend time with his family and make memories. And the last five years that we were able to celebrate his birthday with him outside of our home, we celebrated them at Dodger Stadium because that's all he wanted every year. Papi, what do you want for your birthday? Just take me to the game, mija, and get me a hot dog. That's it. That's all he wanted. So He's still with us physically, but mentally, um, we no longer have him. He's 94. He's bedridden. He has Alzheimer's. And so this last season, watching the boys completely ruin our shot um, <laughs> with him was really hard because something that he said, you know, stayed with me. He's like, I'm probably never going to see them win the World Series in wow. my lifetime. Wow, wow, wow. And so... Um, watching it in our home where I grew up with my daughter in the living room where I watched all of those games with him, knowing that he wasn't there to watch it with me because he wouldn't, one, he doesn't comprehend what's happening. And two, he just physically can't sit in a chair anymore. was really hard, but was also, it also felt really good knowing that when his time does come, like I will get to lay him to rest in a World Series hat. Oh, that he wow. was here for 
like he may not understand, but he was still here. He was still with us. Like I went in, I gave him a kiss on his forehead and I was like, Papi, the Dodgers did it. And he just smiled, you know, probably didn't even know who I was and that's okay. Um, So that's why I think this win was really huge for our family and it, it goes way beyond the game. So thank you for bringing it up, boo. Yeah. Thank you for that. I mean, of course, as the case with you and everything, like adding so much <laughs> love and passion and context, because yeah. like, I, I mean, if I'm being honest, if I didn't check like your Instagram story and like a few of my really like diehard bleed blue friends, I didn't even know the world series was happening. Like it just real. Yeah. Yeah. Like in my universe, it just wasn't a thing. But I like, as soon as I saw like, you know, some of my closest people like being like, and I even remember, I recall like watching part of your Instagram story and you were, you would look so concerned and you were so upset and like the names you were dropping. I was like, is she talking about politicians? Like who did what? <laughs> like I was about to like go on Twitter and like figure out like what this madness was. That's and then so you said funny. some, some, like, I think you said some baseball term and I was like, oh, I think she's talking about the Dodgers. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's a beautiful. I, I love that it's such a, a unifying part of the LA community. Um, and it, it means so much to so many people. I mean, yeah. I felt similar, similarly, maybe not this close cause it, it's not intergenerational for me, but for the Lakers to bring home oh, a win. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I did cry. I, I love a good acceptance speech, right. um, whether it's, you know, any kind of like, uh, Academy Awards or something. I just, I love people having their moment. And mm-hmm. for me, like watching the Lakers win, knowing the, t- like the dedication that folks put into, um, making that a safe season, the whole bubble thing yep. in, it's in Florida. It's yeah. Wild. Yeah. I, I watched a video where like this, um, this black woman, um, she runs her catering business and she like feeds 4,000 players a day, like something like, or 4,000 meals a day she had to prepare. Yeah. And like this whole process to make sure everything is safe. So just like the fact that all these people can come together and like make this happen, it's just so beautiful. And then, you know, like the, the NBA, WNBA were the first organizations that I really saw like commit to like having like Black Lives Matter be prominent in their messaging. Yeah. Um, so that just, it just meant a lot. So I promise y'all, this is not a sports podcast. It's absolutely not a sports <laughs> podcast. Okay. If but you were just not tuning into season two, and this is the first time you've ever heard an episode of Mejor Sola, I promise you it's not a sports podcast. It's it is the not. farthest thing from it. <laughs> Unless you call uh juggling emotions and drawing boundaries and refereeing conversations a sport <laughs> i mean it could be because we out here getting injured i out mm-hmm. here experiencing hurt okay yeah anyway. i want a referee um, for some of these conversations oh my gosh yes please please, <laughs> please. yeah um so go honest. la i love la yes. i love being um I love being in Boston when LA is having a winning season because you know, Boston likes to talk so much. So I appreciate y'all. I love you so much. (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful. Is there anything else that you want to check in about boo? Anything else you want to share about how you're feeling today or this week? Um, I actually, I, this is probably kind of like not a revolutionary, um, in in sharing but it could be revolutionary in its own right but like so I've heard of a feelings wheel before right Mm -hmm. and I've seen it blah 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 but someone had me actually use it I don't think anyone's actually sat me down and been like what feeling do you feel on this wheel um and uh for those of you who've never seen a feelings wheel I'm sure you can google it and find it I actually don't really know where it's from um or like its origins, but essentially in the center of the wheel, the circle is broken up into large parts with basic emotions like happy, sad, angry, you know, some like not basic emotions, but like general terms. And then the next um, outer circle has more uh, specific terms. Oh, and then the third 
the third one. It has a third and final. Oh, this is layered. Layered, yeah. Uh-huh. This third and final circle, the widest circle, has even more specific. So it's not only that you're happy, you feel, I feel happy because I feel um, like empowered and I feel empowered because I feel valued. So it's like getting to the oh. nitty gritty of like your feelings. Oh, I and like I, this. I, I loved it because I was, I realized that that's one thing that's been really difficult for me. And I kind of mentioned it and, you know, appreciation to everyone who's been so patient with us getting together to get season two going. Um, if I may be transparent, I just like feel like, you know, time is kind of melting upon itself. Like, I don't know what day it is. Someone asked me the other day, what were you doing last Wednesday? I was like, oh, I have no idea. Uh, I don't know. I don't even know what I ate for breakfast two days ago. And you want me to tell you what I was doing last Wednesday? Yes. Yeah, it was really difficult. So I was like, man, I really hope no one has to call me in for any kind of, you know, criminal investigation because I will oh be my a, gosh. I will be a useless witness. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, like time just feels like nothing. And I'm sure that's like a recurring a phenomenon for most people. But also beyond that, I've been having a difficult time identifying decisions. Like I feel, I guess like disconnected from my gut. Like, I don't know what my gut feeling is. And then I've been having trouble identifying emotions, but beyond tired. It's like, I'm tired and something. And I'm like, what is it? I don't know. Mm, That's deep. That's real deep. We could have a whole (laughs) ass episode on this wheel of emotions. Right. Right. Okay. Maybe you and I should like sit down and practice with it and, uh, yeah, I'd be curious to know if we want to like give ourselves some homework. How? Yeah, I, mm-hmm. just a little daily yep. check-in. Like, how do how do you feel today? But like, really? Wow. Because I ask people that question sometimes. Like, and if folks who are in my immediate circle know that, like, on a Tuesday, you may randomly get a text from me that's just like, "Hey, boo, thinking about you. I love you." And if people respond, I usually ask, like, if you have the space, how are you doing? And then in quotations, I or like parentheses, I put for real, for real, because we ask each other all the time, like, hey, how are you? You know, a lot of times oh, I'm OK. I'm just a little tired. You know, da, da, da. I'm like, no, that's not what I'm looking for. Like, for real, for real. Like, how are you doing? And I think. Yeah, I, I love this idea of this feelings wheel. You're not the I'm have to Google it. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait to share with you. I was, I would have been like bet my life that you knew of this because you're so good at like having these conversations. No, I, <laughs> I mean, I've heard of it, Yeah, but I've never seen it. So the last therapist that I had um, talked about it, but we never used it for whatever reason, probably because I can most of the time articulate how I'm feeling and why I'm feeling that way. I don't have that problem, <laughs> which I'm sure none of you are surprised to know, especially if you're not new here. Um, but no, I would, I'd really love that. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I think it's, it's helpful to kind of like push me to, to be specific with identifying not only how I'm feeling, but like mm-hmm. where it's coming from. Mm-hmm. You know, like I do that physical check-in, like, oh, I feel stress in my shoulders or yeah. this or that. So being more specific, I think, is something that I'm. It's going to help me moving forward. Um, oh, it's, and it's also important to be specific. Like sometimes I feel excited when someone's asking me how I'm feeling. I'm excited because I'm just hearing from this person. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's like a little out of the blue. So now I'm excited to hear from them. Right. But like, how are you feeling? Like an hour ago. Right. So being able to separate like um, in this moment, how you're doing and how mm-hmm. you were doing insert situation here, or time frame here. Right. Yeah. I love that. I'm gonna have to check it out. Thank you for sharing that boo. Yeah, of course. Um, I also think it really helps kind of lead into what we're talking about today. As we were getting ready to decide what episode one was going to be, um, I don't even know how we got here, but M literally asked me, she was like, what is normal anymore? And I was like, girl, that's episode one. <laughs> <laughs> that is episode one. Um, yeah, so I don't, I don't know where we want to get started, but um, 
Em and I have definitely had a lot of conversations recently about what we feel is normal, what's been normalized, what are folks hoping doesn't become normal. Um, so yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to pass it to you, boo, to kind of get us started. Yeah. So I feel like this is my logical brain, right? So I'm mm. always in tension trying to figure out, is this something that I'm feeling? And it's a rational feeling, which is that an oxymoron to have a rational feeling? I mean, it, I guess so. Like our feelings, sorry, now that's a whole conversation. I our mean, that feelings is a whole rational? conversation. I, as somebody who's an, an RJ practitioner and who works surrounded by social workers and who's constantly having to validate the feelings of other people, I 100% think that feelings are rational given a certain context. Right. Yeah. I'm somewhere in between of like finding the the balance between validating emotions and like rationalizing them. Mm. And that's, that's like the tension with my logical side of my brain. Um, So I, this, so this idea of what's normal comes up when I'm trying to think like, Hmm, is this, I guess who I normally am when I'm thinking about how tired I am or how frustrated I can be or, the sadness that I feel. Um, also, I mean, noting for me, you mentioned it's fall in LA. It's completely snowing right now in Boston. Oh <laughs> I can't like, even. I can't see out my window. It's just like frosted. Um, so the knowing East Coast this is always doing the most with it's, weather. It's not even Halloween yet. I like, know. Can we chill? Uh, I mean, not chill because that's how we got here. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, you were saying. Um, so like thinking about the my my own seasonal changes and in, in mood and things like that, it's hard for me to pinpoint what is normal and what is something that I can address in right now. Like what am I doing to put myself in a situation where I don't feel great? Um so something that I was reading about from this article from weforum.org, the World Economic Forum. The mm-hmm. author's name is, I want to say, Kime Asonye. Um, they noted that we should use our discomfort to forge a new paradigm. So in thinking about what this new normal is, mm-hmm. they were saying that it must be the lens through which we examine our changed world. And any discomfort that we feel when we're examining this new normal has to be, you know, the way that we figure out what normal was, identify how it wasn't working for some people. Mm-hmm. and most people most people <laughs> <laughs> yeah. excuse me um and you know as we're thinking about things that are becoming normalized also thinking about what are the things we are refusing to normalize Ooh, i love that i love the word refuse, refuse. the older i get the more reckless i want to be so i'm like yeah what are we, <laughs> I refuse. What are we getting into <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So I guess that's all very kind of lofty. And I I hope that our conversation can like really pinpoint it in some places that I've hearing it more often with my friends. So the first thing Mm. I want to talk about is this idea of, I think you said this perception of self appearance and all that. Yeah. So yeah. What have you been experiencing in yourself as what's normal is how is your perception of self being, um, uh, what's the word challenged right now? Mm-hmm. Oh girl. I don't know how much I've talked about my journey to health and fitness before, but, um, pre pandemic, your girl had a routine. Like I was at the gym four days a week. Um, that was very much, it had become, what was once a space that I was afraid of that I didn't feel like I belonged in that was very stigmatizing for me had become like my refuge. No joke. Like as soon as we were done eating dinner, I was like, all right, I'm out. Y'all good. Cause I'm gonna go to the gym for an hour and 15 hour and 30, sometimes two hours. Um, and 
that literally like stopped abruptly the second week of March and it changed so much for me that I don't think I really started to understand until like three weeks ago. Hmm. Um, What was that that changed for you? It, I've never really been one to keep a schedule for things like that. And I was so dedicated, like you don't mess with my time at the gym or my time out with Dorian hiking, like, or my time going to the stairs with Dorian, like those were sacred spaces for me that never existed that way before. If people were like, Oh, let's go on a hike. I was like, you, you must be asking somebody else in this room. Cause I know it ain't me. <laughs> and the fact that like, I, that was one of the few things that I made time for. I don't necessarily prioritize my writing because my writing just happens. Sometimes I'm in the middle of a conference call and if it's not my turn to speak and I'm inspired, I'll jot something down on paper. Right. So I've never had to like make space for my writing. I've never had to make space for any of my other creativity fueled things like life just happens. I go to work. That's a schedule that's like kind of assumed. Right. And so I think just now realizing the impact that like the one thing that I would carve out time for to do for myself was taken away from me and legit, it feels like the rest of my world crumbled. And I have yet to find a way to make it happen again. And I know a lot of people are like, well, just do it at home. And I'm like, you don't understand. The whole point was leaving, physically leaving my house to go to another space that was dedicated to something that was physically changing what I looked like and my perception of myself, right? I, y'all know, you've seen the photos. I am a big voluptuous woman. I always have been. Mm. I am incredibly comfortable in my skin 90% of the time. Um, but my journey to health and fitness was changing my perception of my body and the power that my body has right. to thrive. Your right? strength, yeah. My, exactly. And now that I don't have a space to practice that, like I legit blame everything on the fact that I can't work out. Like, Desiree, you've gained weight. And no one has said this to me. I say it to myself, right? But it's like, oh, that's the worst. You gain weight. And my, the other side of me is like, well, it's because you can't go to the gym. And then the other side of me is like, but you could find other ways. And then I start fighting with myself and I'm like, whoa, 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 relax. Like none of this, none and nothing related to COVID aside from your own safety and how you're choosing to behave is in your control. And let's be real. Your body's going to change for the rest of your life. The body I had before my daughter is not the body I had after my daughter. It's not the body I have now. It, it's going to continue to change whether we're in a pandemic or we're not. Right. And I also have to just con- like continue to center the fact that, and, and this comes from a lifelong struggle of like being teased when I was really little, the fat phobia that exists in our media and just rampant like throughout everything. Right. Um, I consistently have to remember that it's not about the image it's about how I feel. Mm. For me, the journey was never about the smaller size or, you know, the smaller body. It was about feeling like the buck stopped for me when I could no longer engage with my child and like run around with her and play with her. That's when I was like, no, it's gone too far. Right. And sometimes I lose sight of that. Because I see myself on a Zoom call and I'm like, ooh, your face looks mad swollen today. Like, what did you eat yesterday? And then I start policing the things that I do to my body. And so I think when I really think about like perception of self, for me, it's very grounded in the physical. And I I keep tying it back to the fact that like I can't visit my Planet Fitness family. <laughs> um, so that's that, def- yeah, that's something, something that's been with such a struggle for a lot of folks who found that refuge, like myself included, and and having that routine and having it be a place that you ventured to is so, I guess it's like finding that normalcy in our perception of self Mm -hmm. 
how do you like get to a place where you're like, all right, I accept this and I'm okay. Cause I've been trying to wrestle with this idea of body neutrality. Mm, okay. Um, Speak so a little more on that. A lot of you may have heard body positivity, right? And then it's like going with this conversation of like, you see a girl who's not a size uh, under a size six or something, someone who's like average sized. Mm-hmm. And you say, oh, you're so brave for wearing a bikini. Like mm-hmm. there's this idea of bravery and courageousness and recklessness with someone who doesn't, who isn't like model, supermodel skinny, mm-hmm. um, you know, existing in their body. Like, oh, you're so right. brave for existing right. in your body. And so like body positivity is great. Like, oh, that I think it's done a lot to like open up the conversation about how we can love ourselves at every size but I think also I'm fascinated with this idea of body neutrality where it's like just accepting my body and not having to at all times be um, super hot or cold about it. Like, I think I'm like some very small example of how I've kind of uh, let myself explore that is like, I stopped doing my eyebrows for work every day. Like <laughs> mm. <laughs> I okay. would you know, I'm on zoom all day, things like that. And I would, I used to be like, all right, I'm not going to do my eyebrow or I need to do my eyebrows at least so I can look like a quote unquote human being. Mm -hmm. Um, so my, my, my bare minimum for acceptance in the workplace was to have my eyebrows done. Right. Yeah. So now I'm like, nobody needs my eyebrows. I, I don't need my, I don't need to spend that time on my eyebrows when that has nothing to do with my line of work. Mm-hmm. And it, it wasn't anything like no one had a conversation with me like, oh, are you sick? Like you don't look right. Like that wasn't, yeah. it wasn't anyone else's idea to um, enforce like putting some semblance of face together for work, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Wow. So I've been wrestling with like, what are the, the metrics or like these requirements I'm putting on myself to go out in public or to show up on a zoom call when they don't really exist. Mm. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's, that's not fair to say, I guess our beauty standards are the things that exist that we're like working against, or we're trying to, you know, dismantle, dismantle, (laughs) refuse. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Now you have me thinking about all sorts of things and the way that I talk about myself. Um, (laughs) Goodness. Right. Well, cause like, I feel, I, I, I feel that like this idea of like coming, like celebrating myself. And I'm not saying that I'm going to feel bad about like putting on a full face of makeup. Like sometimes that's just, that's just an activity that I enjoy doing mm-hmm. yes. as a form of self-expression. It's not my permission slip to be accepted into the world. Like I, Look you it. don't need this in order for me to just be a person Look in the world. It. Okay, M. <laughs> Equipping me with new language. Yes, I love that. I'm always the first person to be like, oh no, I have to put my face on today. Always. And where does like, that come from? A girl. It comes from all sorts of things. And I didn't really start to notice the impact that it was having until Sophie, like, blatantly pointed out like mommy you didn't do your makeup today do you not feel beautiful and I was like no girl I'm beautiful all the time you not know this I created you look at in the look in the mirror you are a thumbprint of your mother <laughs> and she's gorgeous I mean she really is um but that's when I started to realize like your daughter has already created a narrative of what you perceive yourself to be and when you perceive yourself to to look a certain way or feel a certain way. And that really bothered me because she's four. She's four. But I don't vocalize these things out loud to her. She must have just like heard them in random conversations that I've had because y'all know I stay talking to Dorian like all day, every day. Um, and that's a phrase that comes out of my mouth often. I need to put my like, face oh, on. I need to go put my face on before we leave. Or like if I'm home and I'm working from home, 
I don't usually put my makeup on. It's not until I come to school or we're out on the weekends. So she's already making connections about what that means. Like she's making assumptions, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas for me, it's like, I just want to put this on before we leave. Like it complements my outfit. Like (laughs) um, it's not necessarily because I feel better when I do something or I don't, but she's already made that assumption Mm -hmm. and connected it to things. That's so powerful. Wow. That, that is so powerful, especially saying that you've never like vocalized that that's just her picking up on like, she's matching like your actions and your words and like making, you know, what's the, the like connective I conjecture I don't know what the word is but like she's she's putting two and two together you know mm-hmm. wow yeah. and I think the way that you vocalize this like the neutrality of it right so when I noticed that she was making these connections I would correct her and I'd be like no mommy I feel beautiful all the time my makeup is just like a decoration like I want to add it to something mm-hmm And I think she's still kind of like, what? Like, she she doesn't quite understand it. Um, But but what what if, what if it, okay, this is like a first draft idea, but what if it wasn't like, I'm beautiful all the time? What if it was like, I don't need to be beautiful? Mm. Is, Is there a way to get there is there is there is that a place we want to be like I don't feel beautiful I don't feel ugly I am what if we change the definition of what it means to be beautiful I mean I think that's what a lot of us are trying to do right 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 because when I talk to her about the word beautiful I never connect it to anything about her physicality So like, for instance, so at nighttime, usually me or her dad, like we'll lay with her for her to go to sleep. And if it's me, I try to remind her of all the things that make her this like beautiful little human. And so I'll tell her like, mama, to me, you're beautiful because you are kind, you are smart, you are this, you are that. And like, none of it has anything to do with like her hair and her smile and like all the things that we would normally connect to beauty because of all the standards that exist. And so I think when I hear her say that to me, I know that she's connecting it to the physical, which is why I have worked really hard to try to change that definition of beauty for her. Well, I can imagine that it's confusing. Like when you're learning words, right? Beautiful is an adjective that describes the appearance of something. Right. Or when you go to like Target or CVS, the beauty section is where all the makeup is. Mm, Yeah. So the way that you're using beautiful with her differs greatly from the way that beauty is a thing you can buy. Right. It's a product. I mean, it doesn't help that her favorite thing on Disney Plus right now is Beauty and the Beast. So, um, yeah. <laughs> so maybe that's a conversation. What makes Belle beautiful? Uh, yeah, I mean, she's four, so I don't know if we have to go there yet. <laughs> but like, but I absolutely agree. I, yeah. And then these are all conversations that that have to happen as we're starting to shape the minds of like younger generations, and not necessarily just my daughter, but like anyone. Right. Who has a skewed perception of what we're referring to, right? Oh my goodness, this legit could be a whole, like, <laughs> whole episode in and of itself. Um, but I thank you for bringing up this idea of like body neutrality, and it's definitely something that I I want to read more into and really start considering in the ways that I talk to self. Yeah, I think it's something that kind of subconsciously came to me like with my haircut. So I like I had a quarantine cut as the kids will say and I kind of (laughs) like shaved the sides of size and back of my head. So I just have like some hair at the top Um, and kind of like played with my androgyny a little bit. And I Mm -hmm. liked how I was like, wow, I can really present differently without makeup and 
my hairstyle like very minimally. And so I think it kind of like subconsciously started something I like kind of was playing with too, is that idea of like, well, why do I only feel a certain way after makeup? So I, I mean, if we're talking about what's the new normal, I hope that, you know, women aren't, I, I think I hear too much from my friends, this like guilt about like not working out like, and mm-hmm. like, kind of mm-hmm. like what you're saying, like, Oh, I, I know I could just do it at home and, and not giving themselves enough credit for just, you know, being existing and like persisting through this really trying time and a being pandemic. patient, a pandemic. Like <laughs> I feel like that's still in a crisis y'all. Like <laughs> exactly. I feel like that word has become so talk about normalized, normalized in our vocabulary that yes. like, the weight of it has kind of like dissipated. So we don't understand the gravity of what we're in as much anymore. So absolutely. I, I absolutely agree. So I hope that something that we can think about the new normal, I mean, it even boggles my mind that, you know, folks like are dropping new new lines of this or that to anything that distracts from the election or from this pandemic, it's kind of disjointed to see how some people can just like cover things up. Um, Mm -hmm. So I, I hope that whoever's listening, if you are struggling with your perception of self that know that struggling is normal and that Yes, there is. We have an opportunity to rewrite these rules about how you can show up to a Zoom meeting, go outside, this or that. Like I, hundred percent. You need to reclaim your time, do something else that fuels you. And if putting on makeup doesn't make you happy, or doesn't get you excited, or doesn't do anything for you besides give you this imaginary permission slip to exist, then I say try little by little, like cutting some parts of your face out. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, put a full face every day. And I don't know if people are doing that. Maybe I'm just making that up, but. I definitely feel like it's, it's connected to a lot of the ways that we perceive things like professionalism and especially if like you look at Zoom norms, right? Show up professionally. And might I remind everyone that the current professional standards are rooted in paternalism and white supremacy culture. So, um, we could, that's a whole nother conversation for a whole nother day, but mm-hmm. there's definitely this opportunity now to challenge that. Like I asked my coworker yesterday, you know, what's the expectation when we're actually on campus with students by way of how we show up to work? Because y- it, y'all gonna have to fight me to like not have me wear jeans to work. I love my jeans. They are the most comfortable thing on the face of the planet next to my tights mm. or my I leggings. I love a good warm Whatever you call jeans. them. Yes. You know, I love my jeans. I don't plan to put on another pair of slacks for a long, long time. And her and I had this full conversation about like professional perception and like what it means to look like a professional when you're in a place of work. And we now have an opportunity to challenge that. And yeah, I'm sorry. Like, who is enforcing things. slacks? Like, if you're not a lawyer in the courtroom, or I and don't know, then, like, <laughs> like, why? Why? Who decided that that was a professional look? Anyways, we, you we, know who decided that? I mean, and I it wasn't know. us. I do know it was absolutely not us. Um, <laughs> anyways, yeah, we could definitely be here all day talking about like self perception and all those other things. So just to reiterate what M said, if you are still struggling with this, keep on struggling, boo, because we're all right here with you in the thick of it. And it is absolutely okay. And it is absolutely normal. Um, One of the other things that you had mentioned, M, when we started talking about like what is normal anymore is the way that we all gather, which I think right now is a term that is so foreign to us because that's not a thing currently. so I'd, I'd love for you to share a little more on, on that piece. Yeah, I think it's this idea of togetherness. And uh, I, saw, I saw a tweet, and I'm so sorry, I can't remember off the top of my head, um, 
who this credit belongs to, but it was something to the effect of, uh, I miss the beginning of the pandemic where everyone was, all the rules were clear and everyone was following the rules or um, like there was a sense of togetherness at the start mm-hmm. um, that we were all doing this together, right? And there was this sense of camaraderie. Um, mind you, this pandemic affects people very differently. Right. Um, but I think, you know, for some folks, there was some sense of uh, continuity across experiences. Um, and that has greatly shifted as you know, some states just prioritize profit over people. And I think it's, it puts me in a, it's, it's such a a decision spiral Mm -hmm. of all the decisions and the cost, cost of benefit analysis. I have to do every time I step out of the house. Oh gosh. Right. So like, of course, I wear my mask, sanitize in and out of the house, you know, make sure my outside clothes stay away from like my intimate areas of the, the house. But it's like to even get to a point where you can be, okay, that's just me going outside. But then to get to a point where I can be with other people physically, even from a social distance or physical distance, excuse me, it just feels like the loss of spontaneity Mm-hmm. Oh, a hundred percent. Let me, my Sagittarius heart is struggling with that. Like the, the loss of spontaneity, you, you can't just spring these things on people anymore. You can't just show no. up. You can't just, you can't just go to a restaurant, even if they have like, no. um, barriers and they're, you know, COVID safe. Like you can't do that without a reservation or calling ahead or understanding the rules before you go. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so this loss of spontaneity, which is primarily how I preferred to gather with people, right. Which was my method of gathering with people like, Hey, what are you doing right now? Yeah. So to now try to think that I, every time I want to get together with people, it has to be a whole affair is really something that I've, I'm struggling with. And it took me some time to figure out why that was, mm-hmm. um, yeah. How, what are your thoughts on gathering and are you thinking like zoom gathering? Are you thinking yeah. that hot minute we were really into, um, what's the, what's that app? Um, house party. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I have still found pockets of the population that don't know what that app is. Um, Honestly, Boo, when all of this first started, Chewy was mad paranoid. Like, mad, like he didn't even want me going to the store paranoid. And with all, like, I respect that. He's my partner. We make a lot of our decisions about our home together. Y'all know I take care of grandpa. Like, I have two people in my house that are incredibly uh, vulnerable by way of their health because of their age. And so for us the first couple months of the pandemic were really hard. And the only, I mean, they were for everybody, right? But by way of like decision-making and weighing out all these things, like we always had to think about the grandparents and the child, right? Um, And I think the only person that I saw outside of my family bubble was Dorian. Because again, like her and I communicate every day, like, you know, and as we've gotten a little deeper into this pandemic by way of time, I think the circumstances for me have become a little different. Like I know folks that are consistently eating out at restaurants and that if that's what you want to do, do you, I'm no judgment on my, by from me. Right. But it's like, we've only done that. I think twice since things really started to open up and both times I was incredibly uncomfortable. Mm. Like, And I think for me, a lot of it is just really grounded in like, I know what my practices are. I know what the practices of my friends are and the people who I trust to be with are. But I don't know the practices of the person who's serving me my food. I don't know the practices of the person who is cooking my food. But then I argue with myself because I'm like, these folks need a livelihood. These folks need to make money to survive because our government is not doing anything to support them. So I go back and forth with this whole idea of gathering and like getting together with people outside of my little bubble. Like, 
a couple weeks ago, I took a trip to Joshua Tree to quarantine in somebody else's house in the desert. Um, and, you know, the girls and I got on the phone at some point and we're like, okay, the two weeks before we go, you don't see anybody that you would, wouldn't normally see. We're not doing things that we wouldn't normally do on a day-to-day. We're not introducing anyone new to our bubbles or to our space for the sake of respecting one another and the fact that we're all going to be together you know, for an extended amount of time. And then coming back from that trip, I didn't see anybody different. I didn't see anybody new. And I made sure that two days after that two week mark, I went and I got tested mm-hmm. because I wanted to be really conscious. Right. Yeah. But I can't say that everybody is behaving that way or has that practice, you know? And so I think for me, when I think about gathering, I unfortunately don't have or pre pandemic didn't have the ability to just spontaneously like hey let's do this right because of my responsibilities at home mm-hmm. so the planning aspect of having to do things is not new to me that's actually how we've always done things but this feeling of like I can't go like on a Sunday to brunch and not almost have a panic attack right yeah, because you're talking, you're not only talking about practices that other people, because of course, maybe they're washing their hands and like right. following like all the things that they need to follow, um, all the protocols they need to follow once they're at work. Right. Um, but like you're talking about the ethics too. Like how yeah. many of them are leaving the state and like flying on planes or, and just not reporting it to their employer because you know, I empathize with them. They want to keep their jobs, Yeah. but that makes contact tracing really hard. So I think it's like this new normal of gathering. Like it's totally understandable that you're not only thinking about, okay, it's not enough for me to know that I'm taking care of myself, but now I have to like trust everybody around me (laughs) to do the same. And I think that's a totally fair reason to not, you know, be at brunch on a Sunday anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And so I just, I don't know, like I, I'm starting to be okay with having people over at my home. And this was pre-pandemic. I didn't want people at my house. Um, More so because of like our situation with my grandpa and everything else. But it's like, as we get deeper into this and me not being super comfortable, like being out in public or visiting spaces where I know there's going to be a lot of people, like, we've started to kind of like, okay, maybe we have like one or two folks over that again, we see all the time. We know who they're with, et cetera, et cetera. But at the same time, there's just, there's always this like looming anxiety for me about it because of the fact that I'm responsible for my grandparents and for my child. And I think it just hits different when you have to make decisions about the lives of other people, like literally living in the same house as you like granted, most of us have housemates or roommates or significant others that we live with, but it's like, it's not just me and Chewy. Like it extends so much further beyond that, you know? So I think when I think about gathering, like I have to be really careful and I have to be very vigilant of like who I'm with, what their practices have been, what they're comfortable with, what they're not comfortable with. Like sometimes I'm the only one in a group wearing my mask mm. and I'm okay with that. Like it's not, it's no big deal to me. Um, but it's just, it's just things like that where I'm like, how conscious are folks really being, um, and how serious are they taking their, their shared accountability to the group? Right. It, and that can kind of get into that fatigue that we're all feeling, oh, right? Girl. Cause we're constantly like assessing. I'm so tired. I only <laughs> leave my house two days a week, but I'm so tired. I'm so tired. I wake up tired. I go to bed tired. I'm in the middle of the day tired. I'm like, I'm exhausted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I, yeah, I, maybe we need a part two on what is normal anymore. I mean, because- we absolutely do because we're 55 <laughs> minutes into this group. Um, so I definitely think we should extend it, but it's, you're absolutely right. Like there's no, when the pandemic first started, it's also when all of my grandfather's, um, like the decline for him really started. And I remember telling one of our dear friends, um, Jonathan, he asked me how I was doing. And I was like, I didn't realize that 
that this level of exhaustion existed. Like I thought I had already reached like the pinnacle, right? And for all of my, like my parents out there, especially those who fit the part of the mother who like birthed the child and like nursed the child. After I had Sophie, y'all, I legit was like something out of The Walking Dead. Like people would say things to me and I just, they'd go, you were a shell and just, I was just a shell that milked you know, the provided <laughs> milk for a child. Um, and I thought that was it. I was like, I'm never going to be more tired than I was in that moment in my life. But there are literally days when I wake up and I'm just like, yeah, no, this, this doesn't compare to anything else in my life. Mm-hmm. And I cannot explain why. Like there's so many things that are contributing to it. And I just can't like Chewy and I have this running joke. I'll get home some days when I'm at my school site and I'm like, oh my God, I'm so tired. And he's like, why? What did you do all day? And then we both laugh because we can't, (laughs) like we can never. (laughs) Excuse me, Chewy. I'm just tired. (laughs) Like it's, you know, but it's a joke between the two of us because sometimes like I'll come home and he's like, I'm so tired. And I'm like, why? All you did was stay home all day. Like, it's a, right? Like, we have now found, like, ha, ha, ha. And then we laugh at each other and then we go cook dinner together, right? But that's the reality. Mm-hmm. Like, we're just, we're so tired. And yeah. yeah, I definitely feel like that's part two of this episode because we didn't even get to talking about like normal versus normalizing um, yeah, or normalization. We, we'll, we'll wrap this so you all can. You know, do yes. all the, you're probably tired of us right now. Yeah. <laughs> Even though you've missed us and we okay. missed you, we you to- can be tired totally of us. Missed you. Totally missed you. Um, and Em and I have brought up a lot today that may have some of y'all processing your own things. And so we want to respect that um, as well. Um, so yeah, before we close out our time today, Boo, what are some things that you're going to do or a thing to continue being your mejor sola self. Thank you for reducing it to a thing. Cause I just talked about how tired I am <laughs> and how my to-do list is so long. I got you girl. It can already be on that to-do list. Ain't nobody got to know. <laughs> That's true. I'm over here trying to make more homework for myself. No, no, no. <laughs> um, well, I think I, I definitely want to, I'm going to carry around the feelings wheel mm. and shout out to Selena who showed it to me. Um, I'm going to, carry around the feelings wheel so that when I have these moments of like tension or, or joy or, uh, anything in between, I want to be able to start pinpointing it because I do feel, and I've, I've said this to you so many times now throughout this pandemic, like I feel so disconnected from like my gut. Like I don't have a, I, I guess like, unless I'm, someone does something really strange in front of me. I don't have like an extreme reaction. Mm -hmm. So I just want to get in touch with my range of emotions. I want to see like, maybe there's something there where I'm just hitting a wall and I need to, you know, figure out how to unlock that part of myself. So I'm going to carry around my feelings wheel. And when those things happen, I want to, I want to identify those feelings and just jot it down just for myself. That's beautiful. There goes that word again. I love using that word. <laughs> it is beautiful. And we are beautiful. And this conversation yes. is beautiful. I have, I'm going to try to ask you in the middle of next week how you're feeling. Thank you. And I'm going to have a very specific answer for you. So I can't. Wait. I hope you're ready. Oh, I'm ready, boo. I'm always ready. <laughs> how about you, Des? What are you going to be? What is one thing that you will do to continue being your best mejor sola self? Um, honestly, we're back at the water, y'all. I'm not drinking enough water. <laughs> good girl, good. I know water this should always be in the middle the of thing. season one. And I was like, I need y'all to remind me to drink my water. So here we are again, me and my needy ass self asking all of you. <laughs> If you check in with your girl after you listen to this episode, please remind me to drink my water. Um, I'm having a really hard time. Like I got to the point to where like I was drinking like three of my water bottles a day and it holds, I think, 72 ounces or something like that. And I feel so good. And like 
all the things were popping. I was super hydrated. Like, you know, I, yeah. And then I don't know what happened. And now I, I can't even make it through one. And Dorian stays reminding me to drink my water. So You're spending too much time with those succulents. You think you are one. Look it. Okay. You're not. <laughs> my poor plant babies. They have been so neglected lately. Um, but yes, that's my thing. I need to drink more water. Like I need to be really good about hydrating my body. I love it. Clear, easy. I will text you midweek. Be like, are you, when you ask me how I'm feeling, I'll, you know, do my little reply. And then I'll be like, are you, how much water have you had today? Yes, please. Please hold me accountable. Thank you. Um, awesome. nada. All right, my loves. We are so happy to be back just in case we didn't say that yet. Um, ah. I'm excited for part two of this episode so we can be packing some of these things with y'all and please share with us like what are some things that you're struggling with becoming quote unquote normal um Mm -hmm. what are you trying to not normalize in your life um when all of this is either more calm or hopefully said and done Um, so yeah share those things with us my loves and please remember to be gentle with yourself because your first love should be you. Bye. Bye. Mejor Sola is an independent podcast recorded, edited, and produced by Des and M. You can find us on Instagram at Mejor Sola Podcast. That's M-E-J-O-R-S-O-L-A Podcast. And on Twitter at Mejor Sola Pod. Let us know how you are being your Mejor Sola self by tagging us in your photos and using hashtag Mejor Sola Self. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you.